0: We're going to read the scripture in just a few moments, and then uh, after we do that, we are going to pray. As I shared with you last week, on the recommendation of our mission and ministry team, uh, we are praying individually through all of the ministries of this church, all of the missionaries that uh, we support, and so on each Sunday, we'll try to give just as much as we can a brief update And then pray for those missionaries Today we are praying for Angela Cooksey uh, Bob and Peggy's daughter And uh, Angela has been with us uh, for a a while now But left a couple of weeks ago to go to Russia And uh, the biggest prayer request uh, that she has at this point I talked with Bob and Peggy this morning They said she is in language school studying Russian For about six hours a day and so she needs prayer as she learns how to speak Russian She works for Crew And will be working with students in Russia So we're going to pray for her in just a few moments After we read out of um, James chapter 3 And uh, verse 13 through 18 Katie, could you hand me my glasses? I, Katie, could you hand me my glasses please? Quit talking to your mother <laughs> you didn't hear me say that, did you? <laughs> I used to call my kids down and try to find ways to distract the audience and then look at each one of them if they were acting up, like Jason Brown, and Katie, and Amy and anyway, I wasn't too successful at that, I'm afraid. Find uh, James chapter 3, I find this particularly relevant today, and I'll be speaking hopefully to all of us, but directly to a particular group among us today. Uh, We're talking about wisdom. Would you stand with me as we read together, and you follow along silently. I want you to let this word get into your heart, please, uh, because it is so vital. Here James has been talking about the fact that faith, genuine faith, works, And he comes to this place of of wisdom, and uh, the words are just so very powerful. We started it last week, and this is going to be a reminder of some of the things we said last week, but some new things as well, and then next week we will finish up. We're doing three different sermons on this particular subject of wisdom uh, because it is so vital. So listen to the Word of God. Let the Holy Spirit drive it into your heart. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you, speaking to the church, have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Father, it is in the name of Jesus that we come before you. It's been in the name of Jesus, that we started our hour and that we continue our hour and that we will conclude our hour because His name is that name which is above all names. So, Father, even as the uh, parents came to bring their children before you and dedicate themselves to you, and even as they have given their children back to you, uh, Lord, we pray for them and we pray that you would give them great wisdom and the grandparents and all of the uh, the siblings and the extended family as well. God, it is so important that we have, that we get wisdom. God, we also lift up Angela Cooksey to you. We pray that even now as she is in Russia, that you would be blessing her as she works through learning a new language and a very, very difficult language at that. Give her grace, give her wisdom, give her spiritual understanding. Help her not just to learn the language, but to be able to communicate eventually the love of Jesus Christ to people there, to students there, to whom she will minister. We thank you that we can lift her up. And Father, she is representative of a host of others that this church represents We thank you that we can do that. Now, Lord, help us to know you through your word today. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and teach us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles and friends and siblings, There is no doubt that you want the very best for these little ones, for the babies that were in front of us just a minute ago. That's why I said, as I opened my remarks, that this section in James is so incredibly relevant for you and for your life and for their life. Let's get something straight you will teach them, you will teach these precious little ones to do two things. The first one is this, to get knowledge. Okay, that's important in Scripture. And this knowledge that you will teach them is largely neutral or benign. Here's what I mean by that. You will teach them. And sometimes it's going to be a fight between the parents and the grandparents to see who can do all of these things. But you're going to teach them to do a lot of different things. You will teach them. They're going to learn this, but you'll teach them to walk with their feet. You'll teach them to catch a ball with their hands, to sing with their mouth, to read with their eyes, to listen with their ears. Now, again, these things, these are parts of knowledge. This is mostly neutral. It's neither good nor bad in itself. But then you will teach them to do something with the knowledge that they have gained. Are you following me? You want these little ones not just to gain knowledge. You want them to also gain wisdom of a certain kind. Now let me share with you, some of you who haven't been here for the last couple of weeks, this teaching of wisdom that you will do, and I'm talking to all of us in here, but particularly to this group in front of me, is non-optional. Let me say that, let me say it again. It is non-optional. It is not a question of whether you will or whether you won't teach them to gain wisdom with the things that they have learned. Does anybody remember the little song? I I think it goes well with just what we're talking about. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Now, they're going to learn to see things. But you're teaching them wisdom, aren't you? Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful little hands what you do and be careful little feet where you go. Now, here is the main thing that you and I need to remember about teaching wisdom and leaving a legacy for those who are coming after you. Much of what you will teach them in terms of wisdom is going to be caught come on now, at least as much as, if if not more than, what you teach them. Here's one of the things that I've discovered about children, and as they grow, you really get to see this. Children have built-in bunk detectors. You mark my word, you young parents, you're going to see this. Very early on, they're going to see sometimes that there is a difference in what you are saying to them and how you are living in front of them. And you can come to church and and, and you can be involved in a Bible study and you can say all manner of things to them about marriage, but how you. Live in front of them in terms of your marriage in your home is going to speak volumes to them. And I, please hear me, I am not trying to put guilt on you to tell you that you have to have a perfect marriage or that you have to have a perfect home because I know that there is no such thing this side of heaven but you need to add another element to that and if you're a follower of Christ that element is repentance we're going to come back to that and if you blow it just be honest about it and tell them because they're going to even if they don't say anything they're going to know deep down inside so let's talk about this you see the chart that's in front of you Uh, last week I told you I should have put it in here I didn't But uh, this chart is out of Chuck Swindoll's commentary on the book of James, and it is absolutely uh, excellent. I I have not seen anything else like this, not even in Irving Jensing's little study guides, but I think this is is wonderful, and you need to take this and look at it and, and remember that as you look at the chart, it arranges the teaching... In this passage, for ease of understanding, and it it puts in two different categories, there is man's wisdom and there is God's wisdom. I, I want you to note something that you might not have seen as we read through this, this passage of Scripture. There are only two categories of wisdom. Do you understand that? There's no neutral, there's no middle ground. There is either man's wisdom or there is God's wisdom. There is either a, let's put it in a different way of thinking about it, there is a secular worldview or there is a biblical Christian worldview. There is a temporal or a short sighted perspective, and there is an eternal perspective. You may not realize this, but, but I, I, this needs to grip all of us. God's wisdom is always right, and it's always best. But because we have fallen into the lie that there is a neutral position, there's kind of an in-between, I don't necessarily have to go this way or I don't have to go the other way. You are living according to one worldview or another. And man's wisdom, that worldview that is secular, is just like God's wisdom is always right, always best. Man's wisdom is always wrong and always bad now remember I'm not talking about knowledge knowledge is neutral knowledge is benign but man's wisdom look at that just look at the list under man's wisdom can it be otherwise as you look through the list first of all where is it from where does it come from it says what what are its origins below slide your finger on down the list James says, he kind of expands on that, he doesn't just say it's from below, he specifies it is demonic. That is, it's of the devil. It's from the pit of hell. And that's why this wisdom, man's wisdom, is always a lie. It's always a perversion and distortion of the truth since it is from the devil. Can the devil do anything other than lie now, I had this thought last week while I was studying this. I wrote these notes down, and then I had this question, kind of a sinking in, in the pit of my stomach. I thought, is this going to be too blunt? Particularly because we've got, we've got guests here today, and you've never heard me preach, and you, you may be wondering about this. So, wh- who is that guy standing up there yelling? What is he yelling about wisdom, man's wisdom, and, God, and, and, and God's wisdom? Is James being too blunt? Am I am I seeing this wrongly? You, you and I need to understand that there are. All, you're going to operate right now. You're operating either from man's wisdom or God's wisdom, and you can see where man's wisdom always ends up. Now, let me go on beyond that. Does everybody have a a pen or a pencil and you can write on your notes? Maybe you don't use your notes for writing, but if you do, here's what I want you to put. There's enough room up above man's wisdom and God's wisdom. I want you to put a word. Above man's wisdom, I want you to put the word fool. And above God's wisdom, I want you... To put the word "wise." Again, I, I, I'm not trying to be blunt so as to be unnecessarily offensive. Did you follow that? I don't really care about being offensive as long as it's God through His Word that is doing the the pricking of your heart, calling you to account, calling me to account. This always rakes me over the coals before before I get to the pulpit. I guarantee it does. But we need to understand this. And the Bible calls the person who operates from man's wisdom, and I don't really care what the age, he calls that person a fool. And the person who operates out of God's wisdom is called wise. Now let's look at a definition here of a fool. All right? person who acts unwisely or imprudently. A silly person. Now, I, I think that sometimes when we think of the word fool today, we, we kind of stop with the silly. It's just the silly ha-ha. No, th- this, is, this is far deeper. A fool, according to the Bible, is someone who is Wicked, the Latin literally means an empty-headed person. Look at some of the synonyms. I had to leave some of them out. Idiot. Now, we don't use the word stupid. We never have at our house, so I left that one out, okay? But it was in the synonyms. Halfwit, blockhead, dunce, dolt, nincompoop, ignoramus. Ignoramus imbecile, dummy, and it, the list just... It, there are a lot of synonyms for fool. And I was thinking this morning, and I thought, ah, I don't know if I'm going to use this. As... But when I was a kid, I read a, a publication. It wasn't a real deep theological publication. I was a kid. It was called Mad Magazine. <laughs> Keith, do you still have your copies? Okay. Alfred E. Newman, and some of you can picture Alfred E. Newman, he was the, he's become an icon in American history of the perfect example of a fool. And so let, let's just mark it down that the, the Old Testament, New Testament, neither one are very complimentary when they're talking about a fool. But listen, again, it's not just a person who is silly. This person, and and if you do a study of wherever the word fool is used, you're going to find that this person rejects God. Let me just throw some scriptures up here. He rejects God's wisdom. He rejects godly instruction. That person is corrupt in sin, commits abominable deeds, and does not do what is good. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. I don't care what your IQ is. You are a fool if you say there is no God. Not only that, the psalmist goes on to describe they are corrupt. They do abominable, uh, abominable deeds. There is none who does good. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let me go on because it's not just the Old but also the New Testament. For from within, out of the heart of man come all of the evil thoughts. This is one of the classic places where sin is described in in a list. There are several in the New Testament. But look at some of these. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and what? Foolishness. The fool exchanges the truth of God for a lie. Now, the list given here, right here in James, is pretty much, I think if you would compare it with other lists of sins, it's, it's, it's pretty much a, a similar list to all of the other lists of sin and rebellion in the Scriptures. And if you look at the detailed definition of every word in this list in the Bible Dictionary, the fool's picture is right next to it. Now, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm just going to ask you anyway. And I'm, I'm looking at the parents and grandparents, those of you who attend our church, those of you who don't, because it doesn't matter what church you attend the most, Matters your answer to this question. First of all, I'm going to ask it of, of you personally and your own desire for yourself. Do you want to be a fool? I, I mean, if you ask most people, "Do you want to be a fool or foolish?", they're they're going to say no. Then let me ask you a further question, and I. I think the answer i know to this but is there any parent or or grandparent or or extended family member who wants to raise a fool so the question is what kind of legacy do you want to leave to those who come after you the person who acts out of god's wisdom is called wise and he is called blessed blessed is the one who finds wisdom The one who gets understanding, blessed are the poor in spirit. And this is just a rundown of the Beatitudes, and James almost parallels this. Now, again, James is speaking to Christians. This is something very, very important to see. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then by definition, you love God and you desire His wisdom. But it is possible that even loving him and loving his wisdom for a believer to act foolishly. You might have been given all the good knowledge. You might have been taught the right things. And you may love God and pursue a life of wisdom. And yet, along the way, make foolish decisions. Moses did. So did David. Peter did too. I, I really believe, I don't know all of you in this congregation today, but I know a good majority of you, from the students all the way around, young to old, I think it would be safe to say that I know that all of you, most of you, if not all of you, in this congregation, in this audience today, You love God and you want His wisdom. You don't need to raise your hand to this, but how many of you have fallen into foolishness? I asked this question last week. Who was the wisest man ever to live? Clear from Scripture. Who was he? Solomon. And yet he made a foolish choice. What was that foolish choice? Not getting married. That's a great choice. You find the right person, God's person. He made a foolish choice to have a lot of wives. Not just from a practical standpoint, but because God had forbidden it. And he said, here's the reason, because your foreign wives will turn your heart away from God. And do you know what? That's exactly what happened. Remember, I said this a minute ago, your teaching of wisdom will be caught as much as it's taught. Are you hearing that? Ralph Waldo Emerson said these words, and we quote them a lot in church, what you do speak so loudly that I cannot hear what you say. So let me just run through and get your pencils handy because we're going. I, I'm just going to give you some, some bullet points in a lot of scripture here. There are three points that are on your outline. They're similar to last week, but they're different because I'm going to add some things that are not the same. The first thing that you need to do to get God's wisdom and to leave a legacy for those who follow you number one, you need to choose and to prize God's wisdom. Again, go to the scriptures and and see the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. Take my instruction. Now look at this. Instead of silver, this is wisdom speaking, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Last week, we talked about this, that wisdom begins and increases and is proven by the fear of the Lord. And and once again, the fear of the Lord is not to cower before Him, at least those of us who are followers of Christ, to cower before Him in terror, but to bow before Him willingly in awe and respect and total trust for His purposes for our lives. I'll say it this way that I said last week as well. One of the other things that we must do, not just get the fear of God, but also we must be born again. There is a reason why lost people cannot get God's wisdom. It is impossible for a person who is outside saving faith in Jesus Christ to get God's wisdom. Why? And by the way, you see that one of the, one of the characteristics in the list of a fool, of a person who accepts or or deals in man's wisdom is that he is natural. We're going to talk about these and expand these uh, next week, but look at this. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And so the, the, the fact of the matter is you must be born again. And that's why parents and grandparents, and I I have a sneaking suspicion that you do this, but keep it up. Pray for the salvation of those grandchildren. You do, don't you? Wow. That is so vital. Do not ignore. Do not turn away from wisdom or take it lightly. Let's look at the second one. I just mentioned it. Pray for God's wisdom. James tells us that earlier in the book. If any of you lacks wisdom, he's speaking to Christians now, let him ask God, who gives generously to all men without reproach, and it will be given to him. It means that you're going to have to humble yourself. It means that you're going to have to admit your need. Cry out to God. For the wisdom no matter what you're going through and by the way that that verse of scripture in chapter 1 verse 5 is set in the context of trials and I found that one of the greatest things that people need wisdom for is when they're going through trials of various kinds last week we talked about Solomon didn't we how he asked for wisdom And I posed the question, if you could ask God for anything, what would it be? I hope that after this little mini-series within the series on James, that you would know, I'm not going to ask for riches or for renown or any of those things. I'm going to ask God for His wisdom. There's a last thing in the list that I want to show you on the outline, and that is pursue God's wisdom. Look at what the Proverbs say. And by the way, the Proverbs are such a rich treasury of wisdom. You would do well to read through those. Meditate on those. If you make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding, if you seek it like silver, search for it as a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So, If you're going to pursue God's wisdom, where do you look for it? Let me give you four things. These are not on your notes, not on your outline, but you ought to jot these down. At least on the tablet of your heart. Know the scriptures that go with them. Here's where you find wisdom in God's Word. God's Word. Boy, we beat that drum a lot around here, don't we? Because we want God's wisdom, not man's wisdom. So you're going to find it in God's Word. God's written Word, the law, the Word of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Not only the written Word of God, but seek wisdom in God's Word, who was made flesh. Seek wisdom in Jesus. He is a real person. He has come to live inside of you through the Holy Spirit. Jesus became to us wisdom from God. Paul says, In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, for in him all fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And look at this, And in him you have been made complete. He is the one who gives wisdom. Now let me just say this. Stop here and apply this that means that you're going to have to prioritize some things. And you're already here, so I'm preaching to the choir, as it were. Okay? You need to prioritize being with God's people in in church, studying the Word of God, wrestling with those things in the Word of God that you don't quite understand with other Christians who love the Lord and who love you. So prioritize God's Word through being a part of a local church. Nothing could be clearer from Scripture, but let me say this, and it's probably even more clear. Prioritize, listen to me, your own intake of of God's Word through your personal reading of the Word. And if you can't do it every day, then do it regularly. Take the Word of God in regularly. You know what thrills my heart as much as anything on Sunday morning? A lot of things thrill my heart. Sharing the truth with you, that that thrills me. It scares me. Every Sunday. But... It thrills me to be able to do that. And I am so encouraged by people who have their Bibles open or they've got their, their smartphone and they're, they're really not looking on social media. They're, they've got the Word open. Okay, I know that. Other churches maybe, not this church. Okay. But i tell you one of the things that thrills me the most is to see over here with our students, and, and not all, but, but the ones that I see have their Bibles open. They they probably don't even know that I look at them. But out of the corner of my eye, when I give a scripture or I do something like that, I see them doing. The, I see them writing. And students, you encourage me because you are seeing. You don't understand it fully, but you are seeing the importance of the Word of God. Maybe that just happened, but I have a sneaking suspicion that there was a father or a mother or a grandfather or a grandmother or an older sibling or an aunt or an uncle who said God's Word is important. You need to be in church and you need to be in the Word. And I hope it thrills your heart as well. So, God's Word, that's where you're going to find wisdom. Second thing in God's world. Now, children, this is, this is one of the most exciting thing things that, that I could share with you. And sometimes we don't think about this, but the Proverbs and other passages of Scripture have this. We find God's wisdom in the world. That proverb that says, Go to the ant, O sluggard. By the way, what's a sluggard? No one in here is a sluggard, are they? If you are, well, anyway, if you're not, go to the ant, consider her ways, and be wise. God's world has so many incredible illustrations. And I hope that as as parents and grandparents, when you're walking with these little ones through God's world, you you, you take a look, and maybe you're walking around Lake Hefner, and you're going to look up and you're going to see the birds. What an incredible opportunity! to go to God's wisdom. Jesus talked about it. He said, look at the birds. Look at the flowers. He was using God's world to illustrate profound truths that you do not need to worry about life. Because if you're His, God's got you covered. What an incredible opportunity for you to begin to look around. Is the wind still blowing outside? It was this morning. As you walk to your car, as you, as, as you drove, maybe you could do this on the way home. You can go ahead and say that you're copying Pastor Marty. That's okay. But say, look at the trees. What are they doing? The trees of the field will clap their hands in what? In worship. My son, my daughter, if if inanimate objects worship our great and glorious God, how much more should we? There's a third one. I mentioned it last week, but that's a little little different nuance. We need to get God's wisdom from godly counsel. That means as much as anything, not just hearing what our parents and grandparents and those who are older and, and who have walked this path longer. What they have to say to us, but but look at this, and particularly for you younger ones, for you children, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. Watch who you walk with because the companion of fools will suffer harm. One last thing. Here's how you get wisdom, pursuing God's wisdom in light of eternity. The psalmist says, so teach us in the number of our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Live your life in light of eternity. Think long term. It's better to go into the house of mourning. The writer of Ecclesiastes, who was King Solomon. By the way, it's said that of the three pieces of literature in the Bible that King Solomon wrote, he probably wrote Song of Solomon when he was an older teenager and in love probably wrote the Proverbs when he was a young to middle-aged man, teaching, get this, his sons, his children, who was the one to succeed him? you remember? Rehoboam. No doubt he was teaching Rehoboam. Did Rehoboam listen? Go back and read the story. But he also wrote Ecclesiastes, and this was after his rebellion, his fall into all manner of things. He had all the resources. He could do anything he wanted. And he came to this conclusion, without God, anything under the sun, under the sun, man's wisdom, is vanity. The only thing that counts is God. So live your life. Life in light of eternity. I, I put this in from Ecclesiastes 7.2. It's better to go into a house of mourning. That means it's actually better to go to a funeral than it is to go to a Super Bowl party. Why? Because it makes you sit up and realize something, that this is the end of all men. This is the way we're all going to end barring a return of the Lord Jesus and the living lay it to heart. This coming Saturday, we're going to the funeral of a good friend of ours from Little Rock, vacationing with his family in Cancun, Mexico around Christmas time. They put off the memorial service, already had the burial because he worked with Josh McDowell, and Josh is going to be helping with the funeral. He was with his family, with his grandson, out in the water with a casting net, a rip current came out 62 years old prime of the life He drowned. we just don't know jan and i were talking we just don't know teach us to number our days father i thank you that you give us the resources god i believe that for all of us who know you you've given us at least the motivation to leave a legacy now, Father, help us who know you to do that. To repent of where we have fallen into foolishness and to pursue you in your word, in your world, in the counsel of others in light of eternity. If there is even one here today who does not know you, I pray that today his eyes or her eyes would be open. He or she would see their sin before you a holy God but would see your provision in Jesus Christ as the only Savior Lord that they would give you the obedience in repentance and faith they would come into the family of the forgiven God grant that that might be so now help us Lord as we respond to the things that we have heard and as we go from this place we pray that you would help us to walk In wisdom. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?